Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Good evening, Razorback fans. I want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight. All shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports. You always find the latest odds, team matchup, e- info, player news, and games trends at Bet Online. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Arkansas, you see the score, 69-57 over Ole Miss. Finally getting another SEC win after starting 1-5. and five. A much-needed win, no matter what the team at home. Um, got a little scare there at the end with, with, with the run, of course, and you thought, oh, my God, here we go again. And uh, so, Jacob, uh, I, I know you spent some time uh, duck hunting out there in the woods. Um or out there on the pond, river, um, but you got to listen to the game. So what was your, your your overall thoughts of what you gathered from the game? Well, Arkansas never quit fighting, and and they got up by 20, and, and you really thought, man, Arkansas, this is this is the kind of win that you needed. You, you wanted to get back on track after four straight losses, especially the way you lost against Vanderbilt last weekend. And then, and, and then the way you lost against Missouri the other night, blowing another lead. You know that that was a, a much needed win, a a victory that you can build off of, and that's really been the January issue, like we've mentioned the past few weeks. Like, but getting a March Madness type of Devo Davis performance again, like the guy, he's he's been in double digit scoring the last three games. He's been an efficient uh, efficient shooting player too a guy that's shooting over 50% from the field. He is hitting that – he is hitting uh, on where he usually hits at during March. And it's a great side to see. And that's what you needed. Everybody wants your your oldest player on the team, your your most established player on the team, playing valuable minutes, less turnovers, more points, efficient basketball. Devo Davis, way to go, brother. Well, and, 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 you know, coming into this year, he was mainly, they were looking at, well, he was a really good defender. You know, we'll, we'll put him out there. He's a good defender. We've got all these scores. You know, we, we can have yeah. Devo out there to, to you know, alleviate some of the defensive woes because we have so many scores. Well, now he's being asked to kind of change his game and kind of be one of those scores, and he, and he did. Six for 11 shooting, three for five from the three-point line. Did go one for two from uh, the – or he was three for five to the three-point line, one for two from the free-throw line. 16 overall points, but he ended up getting five rebounds, four assists. He did have three turnovers, but the team as a whole only had 11. So, yeah. I mean, that was really good and, and ended up with a positive eight plus minus. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, other than all of that, 
This kid adds a spark to this team. And you're talking about the March and the tournament time. When you're coming into these games and you're going later on into the season, the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, you're going to need a guy like him to get that spark. Because, of course, what we've seen with that 11-0 run by Ole Miss, you need somebody to come in that can really come in there and score a bucket. All right, calm them, calm the rundown and get things back on track. And plus yeah. how he was on defense. I mean, the, the dude was killer on defense. And, again, you know, 52.9% from the free throw line as a team, 9 for 17. That They got to sure that up. Yes, they went 6 for 9 in the second half, but 3 for 8 in the first. So Yeah, and that's that's a really weird thing because against Missouri on the road – they went 20 for 25 the other night. I mean, that's that's 88% from the line. And then you go back and you come back home and you shoot uh, 52% from the line. That is just – I don't know if I've ever seen a stat flip like that before where you're so great and so efficient in, in, in that category and then the next game you're just off. That was kind of the oddest thing. I, I don't think I've seen that out of a team before. But don't ever put anything past this Razorback basketball team. Well, and I, I want to give a big shout-out to Jordan Walsh. You know, he was only two for four from a three-point line, but you want to talk about timely baskets. I mean, he Absolutely. hit one from the corner. I mean, just timely. He was five for nine overall, played all 40 minutes, 13 yeah. points. He had a 12-plus minus. You look at Anthony Black, a positive 21, 21. plus minus, 17 points. He uh, – they – um, had three rebounds total, eight, and he had yeah. eight assists. So, I mean, the dude balled out. And, and of course, yep. I know you've seen the clip, but I'm telling you, when he had that guy backed up and he done that oh. little spin move, he used that leverage to get that spin move and get the get that in one. I mean, it was just beautiful. Oh, I mean, yeah. He went He's left, in this match, man. let the guy get his elbow in his mid-back, and he used that guy's elbow to roll off of him. And by the time the guy even turned around, he was already at the basket. And oh, yeah. I mean, the foul could have been questionable, but but he did hit him on the arm. But it's just one of them things. Before the guy even knew what happened, he was already pump faking at at the rim, getting ready to score. But yeah, um, it, it was it was a really good game, and and it was much needed win. We've seen this, and even the broadcast was like, "Oh my God, here we go again." They were down, you know, eleven zero run, and and it was just like, oh. And you're like, all right, calm down. And, and they never gave up. That's the one thing that I want to, you know, really give a shout-out to the team is they could have easily folded, like, here we go again. They're like, no, we're done with this. And, and that's right. another point when it comes to tournament. We ter- talk tournament all we want, but it, it's coming. And you're going to get runs like these in a tournament. You're going to get these guys that are going to come down and, and, and shoot a three from 30 feet out. Bam. You miss a shot. They right. come down 20, and you get into that – panic mode and you're just throwing up a prayer and they just happen to fall in. You look at Arkansas's women's game against Vanderbilt. That girl went seven for 10. They hit seven for seven in the fourth quarter. Things like that are going to happen. So you got to get to the point to where you get a lead where you can stave off a, a, a comeback and then close the thing out. Absolutely. And uh shout out to Joseph Pinion. He had yep. 13 points. He had a uh, positive 17 in the plus or minus. He played 21 key minutes. And, and you think about it, Arkansas needed that run in the, in the, in the end of the first half. Exactly. And Pinion was, was a catalyst yep. in getting that separation going into halftime. 
He had two big threes right there at the end of the half uh, to really extend the lead. And I think they led, what was it, uh, Mm 32-29? I think his two threes, I think they made it up to like uh, a six-point lead until Ole Miss cut back uh, to three right before the half. But, yeah, Pinion was really good, uh, uh, a really good defender. Uh, let's see here. Jordan Walsh was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you ha- you lose Ricky Council. Uh, and not losing, but you didn't get much production from him. Two points in 18 minutes, one rebound. Uh, the guy had three turnovers. But, you know, you, you, you're like, okay, he's our leading scorer. He's not having a great night. You've got to have guys step up. And Jordan Walsh, he stepped up. Joseph Pinion stepped up. And Anthony Black, he was more uh, assertive. And I said that. After the uh, losses to to uh, Vanderbilt uh, last Saturday and against Missouri, I said he needs to be more assertive. He needs to to play more downhill basketball, and he was efficient, seven of seventeen from the field. And even though he was three of six from the line, you know, or, I mean, he was he was really effective, and I, I think he did a good job, kind of picking up where where Ricky Council was uh, was off at. And yesterday. that's that, that's what you're going to need. You had four guys that yeah. Scored thirteen or more points. If you if yeah. you get four out of five guys, there are four out of your five starters, or you get some of these bench players or reserves to come off and give you at least 10, 13. Joe's opinion: thirteen mm-hmm. points, three for six from the three point line. You get just one guy that normally would get you seven, eight points. Then you have yeah. a, a situation like Ricky Council goes down. Well, now you have somebody like Pinion and. Devontae Davis both step up and give you a combined 29 points. I mean, that's huge. Right. So, if you got, say, you know, Pinion isn't giving you that much, then you got somebody, you know what? Kamani Johnson comes in there. He could be one of them guys that gets you eight points off some boards and offensive rebounds. So, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with this team. And the Mitchell twins, Makai and Mikael Mitchell, I mean, they get in there. And they get oh, yeah. you some boards. I Bill mean, seven, seven boards between the two of them. But – that that's what you need. You need those guys, the down low, that are going to get you those sure boards. And, and even though he had four points, his plus minus was thirteen. That's what you're going to get. And we've talked about this early in the season. It's going to be the big difference between these games. You look at these plus minuses, and you had only one, two, three guys in in, in the minus on that on that far right column. So, yeah. You know, and, and not fearing to shoot the three. And I mentioned that the last few weeks is Arkansas, you know, they look timid when they when they go to shoot from three. They were eight from 20. Like, they shot with confidence. A lot of that had to do with Joseph Pinion and, and Arkansas not forcing things repetitively on every single possession. And that's that's another thing that kind of stood out to me was was Arkansas's willingness to shoot from me on the arc. And they weren't scared. Well, Nearly 50 and 40% from three. What's going to happen with that? And the, the being a shooter, I, I was just, I, I wasn't very good, but I was a shooter. You know, if you get scared of shooting a three and you try to come in and shoot a two, yeah, that's uh, coming in and dribble and shooting a two is harder than shooting a three. You can go behind the arc and shoot threes all day long. So if oh, you yeah. get to the point where you're not confident in shooting a two and you try to change your game to where you're driving and shooting floaters or fading away, your whole rhythm is turned off. So, for, yeah, they went eight for 20, but eight threes. I mean, you look at – they had five threes ahead eight. So, you had three point. there's a nine-point difference right there in just the three points alone. So, I mean, when you're not scared to shoot and you know you're a good defensive team and you get three or four more of these shots that you wouldn't – I mean, you, you miss 100%, 100% of the shots you don't take. 
That's right. But still, yet yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna. This team starting, and we know this. This is coming into to, you know January, February. Just the same point where this team clicks. It might take a week or two because you know we're still dealing with the whole uh, Nick Smith Jr. thing on on his timeline. On he he's he was in the arena, and, but he's not practicing with the team yet. I've heard that there was a you know. Um, some reports of, you know, a couple of doctors have cleared him, but you're still kind of some inflammation going on when he's active on that knee. So there's kind of some worries there, but nothing official I've heard from the from the university yet on his on his return. But I think that hopefully you it, my timetable, if you're gonna bring him in and play, I mean you gotta at least get him get him some couple of games in regular season and then get him you can't, you know. Because the further you go, if you just try to insert him into the SEC tournament, hoping to get a bid in the NCAAs, I just don't know what that's going to do for him and, and, and the continuity between him and the team. Right, and and the team is they're they're waiting for him to come back. They they know that they need him. They know that uh, they can he can take them to the next level. I think he's a difference maker, man. Once they get him back, I wish they had Brazil, man. I, I, yeah. I know we we keep going going back of like what if what if what if, and this may be. If Arkansas, you know, barely scrapes into the NCAA tournament and has Nick Smith and and say they get to the second round and, and they lose in the NCAA tournament, it's going to be the biggest what if uh, in Arkansas Razorback. It doesn't matter what sport, what if in the history because you you win in this uh, season with so much anticipation. And here you are sitting 13-6, uh, and 2-5 and five in conference play. Mm-hmm. But we know the history under Musselman and the team gets better as the year goes on. This season is still early. There's still seven weeks left to go in this season and into the postseason play. Like you've got, you've got uh, who do we have next coming yeah, into Bud uh, Walton? It's, yeah, it's LSU on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, six o'clock. That's, then you go That's to going to be a huge game, and then you go to Baylor. But they, they here's the deal. They got a good. If you look at their schedule, I don't. I don't know what Baylor is. Um, but you got LSU. But you got Baylor then A and M Carolina to get you ready for the Kentucky game. Yeah. Now listen, this is just hypothetically. You imagine. You imagine. They reinsert Nick Smith Jr.'s first game against Kentucky. What would the crowd right. be like? If they announce, we already know how big it is, but they're going to Kentucky and they announce that Nick Smith Jr. is going to be back for that game. Right. Oh, it'd be it'd be crazy. Like you will have you will realize that you have a legit shot. And the thing is, like, during that Kentucky game, like this Kentucky team, they were legit, like terrible. We all thought, like, oh, the top two teams in the league that that were predicted to finish one, two in the league are struggling. Kentucky's right the ship, kind of. Like, they look a lot better than they did. Uh, but, yeah, you you bring in Nick Smith. You reinsert him in the starting lineup. Say you're 5-5 five and five in conference again. Like, things are going to roll. Things are going to start clicking. And, and you know, it's not – that game's not going to be in Bud Walton. The Bud Walton game is going to be uh, March later 4th. in the – yeah, is in March. But yeah. you, you go to Kentucky – Man, like you have a legit chance at at getting back into this thing because not only is Nick Smith a good offensive player, he's a great and elite defensive player. He has the length to disrupt passing lanes. He has the the length to 
to, uh, you know, affect the shots going up uh, and, and alter shots. I mean, not even, I mean, he's got like a six, eight, six, nine wingspan, like, or maybe a six ten. I can't remember what Bart Reed told me he has, but, but it's, it's a crazy wingspan that, uh, that Nick Smith boasts, but he is such a different player. And I hate saying like, I, I don't like, you know, saying the what ifs and, 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 uh, conspiracy theories on if he comes in or in the what ifs, but Nick Smith is needed. And if, if Arkansas wants to take that next step and, and they can be five and five in sec play and this thing look totally different, uh, going into the Kentucky game. And if he plays, well, they wouldn't be five and five going into the Kentucky game because they got that A and M game before, or the Baylor game. Well, if you if you win the next three games, uh, I mean five and five conference plays. Yes. What I'm saying, yeah. If you can be five and five in conference going into the Kentucky game, it looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm looking at the, the, the outlook on the season. Right now, looks you're, you're tenth right now, two and five, and then yeah. you've got Missouri. And and this goes a lot of teams haven't played the same amount of, of, of conference games. But if you, right. if you win the next two, that puts you at four and five. But you're still, you know, you got Georgia, Vandy, and Missouri sitting there three and three, three and three, and three and four. So yeah. I mean, this could, this could be jumbled where you, you could be a five six seed, you know. And I don't know because you got A and M at five and one, Auburn six and one, Tennessee six and one, and Alabama's seven and zero. So I don't know how much ground you can make up when it comes to getting that double by going into the SEC tournament. But I'm telling you, this is the time where they need to start thinking about that. And they've been on their runs the last two years. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens when it clicks. But I'm telling you, what, I'm liking how the team was playing on, on Saturday. Uh, there was not much selfishness when it was coming to the the game. And right. You know, they got – like I said, it, it was almost like what Coach Neighbor said. You take great shots, that's what happens if you you score 69 points and you win, opposed to you take bad shots and you might score 69 points and lose. So, a total of 14 assists, Anthony Black had eight, and then Devo had four. But, no, I mean, I really like how, how this thing's rolling around. Yeah. I really thought – to be honest with you, Wednesday night's game against Missouri, I thought Arkansas was going to win. Yeah, And I thought that – I really honestly thought that that was going to be the point that turns this season around. And it probably made this team angry. It probably made the Razorbacks hungry to to get back home and turn this thing around. I, I really felt like they were that close to really saying, okay – I don't give a crap anymore. We're going to get this done. We're going to get it done tonight. And they didn't get it done against Missouri, but they were that close. And I'm thinking, you know, all they need is just that one break, that one win to kind of break it open. I'm not saying they're going to go and win their 10, 11, 12 games in a row winning streak like they have here in the past two seasons. But they they have an opportunity here to get back to 500 in conference play, and things look a lot better when you're 500 in conference play compared to being one and five at one point like that, that there's, it's all about perception. And once you start getting that thing and you get that confidence and you're shooting the three, well, you're being unselfish and, and you see guys finally seeing their roles kind of come to fruition. Like it's time to capitalize on that. I know Arkansas just beat an eight and nine old miss team, but it's all about the confidence inside of you going out there and, and continuing to compete and continuing the will to win. 
that just shows you the biggest difference. And, and, and everybody was talking about, all right, they're going to turn around January, early January. They're going to turn it around. They're going to turn around. We, yeah. we think this Missouri game, you know, going to turn it. We still got to remember, these te- this team's young. Yes, so they are. It, it might take these freshmen a week or two longer to gel and finally get things clicking because you're, you're going with Debo, the only guy from last year that had minutes. So now you're inserting not only freshmen – that have to deal with the adversity of losing Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. You're dealing with transfers and, and the portal players that are coming in and everybody's trying to fix all this puzzle together. There, there's really no, when we're talking about like the football team and then we're missing leadership, we're missing Catalan on defense, missing like someone like a Grant Morgan, someone like a, you know, a, a bumper pool that can really get the team going, get the team on, put the team on his back. And get on a run. Yeah, that's exactly. If you want to look at like what's the biggest missing piece of that, I think that's exactly what it is. You don't. I know that you looked at Nick Smith Jr. as as a leader of the team as a freshman, but that's what he was, and, and that's just that's what you're getting when you get somebody like a, a lottery draft pick. You got somebody that steps on that court, and you know they're one and done. They're going to go to the NBA. You got somebody like Anthony Black that was coming in and, and was going to be not a sidekick, but he was going to be that second option behind Nick Smith Jr. Now he had to be that first option. So now you're putting a guy that was maybe wanting to feed off Nick Smith Jr. and them mesh together. Now he's doing it kind of by himself when it comes to that leadership point guard role and puts him in a position that he's not used to, especially right. like in a call as a as another freshman. So. It's just one of the things. Maybe he's at the point now where he's got it mental, you know, mentally. All right, I'm I'm going to be assertive. I'm going to put this team on my back now. Devo Davis, if he gets his offensive going with his defense, and now he's like, all right, guys, let's cut it out, let's get things rolling, and let's go. That could be the difference in it not happening against the Missouri game, and now it happened against the Ole Miss game. And let's see how because I mean. I don't, like I said, outside the Baylor game because I don't know much about them, but you look at the LSU game, they play them tough. Everybody, that's a winnable game. And then you got A&M, they always play them tough. And I have to look and see if that is on the road or I'm trying to think. If One. That, the, the A&M game, is that at A&M? Oh, it's at home. Okay. It's at home. Good. All right. that man. You talk about having that perfect timing because if they were playing A&M away, that would be a tough game because they always have a hard time playing at A&M. But what I was getting at is this is the perfect time for this stuff, this win, because now you can get things rolling. Absolutely. And uh, right now Baylor is sitting at 13-5 and five, uh, overall, trying to get their uh, the Big 12 standings come up. Here they are. Uh, they are currently sitting at 14 and five overall, four and three in conference play, and currently leading uh, Oklahoma by four uh, in the okay. second yeah. half. So, as we're speaking, so they're they're in sixth place in the in the Big Twelve. But the Big Twelve is such a Jumbled basketball mess, driven yeah. league. They have, I mean, you have Iowa State, TCU, Texas, Kansas, Kansas State, who Desi Sills. He's one of the uh, leaders there at Kansas yep. State this season. They're seventeen and two overall, and leading the conference at six and one. Uh, and Eleven and zero at home. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and didn't they beat Oklahoma, Kansas? Oklahoma and they State. beat Kansas like, when they played, right? Didn't they beat Kansas uh, the other yes. night? Yes, yes, they did. They did. Oh. I think they. I can't remember who their one loss is to, but but back on Baylor uh, for a second, I'm trying to get their schedule to come up. I've got it right. Uh, here. Trying yeah. to see who they've beaten so far. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Texas Tech. Yeah. Beat West Virginia. Kansas State beat them by two, 97-95. They got beat by TCU, 88-87 on the fourth. They lost to Marquette, 96-70 uh, in State the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Yeah, they got beat by Iowa State. I'm looking at their genuine. Yeah, they they beat Nickel State, and then into the conference play, they got beat by Iowa State, TCU. So they went on a little three-game skid. Uh, yeah, SEC skid or a Big Twelve skid before they beat West Virginia. <laughs> then they beat Oklahoma State. So now they're they're on. They started off zero three in conference. Now they're four in a row. So I mean they're, they're they got to, yeah. but they play Kansas tomorrow at eight. So and then right before ooh, so they play Kansas right before they play Arkansas. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's so. yeah, and especially it's gonna be tough for Arkansas because Baylor. They have such a great tradition over the past 20 years as far as basketball goes uh, under Scott Drew, who's done a phenomenal job. Like, I, you know, thinking back to when he started at Baylor and having to take over for a program that was in such, it seemed like disrepair, like in shambles, because you, I, I, I can't remember exactly what happened. I was like in sixth or seventh grade when when it, they basically uh, were in trouble for murders and rape and all that stuff. And in, in the back, and you may remember more of it uh, than I did. And I thought Baylor was probably done for, I mean, there's no way that Baylor can recover from it. And t- I mean, 15 years later, here they are, they're two years off a national championship. And, and you remember like Arkansas went toe to toe with the, uh, with Baylor in the elite eight, two seasons ago during that COVID year. Yeah, and that, that was a was physical, a physical game, game yeah. like just absolutely physical. And and Baylor just, you know, they were they out physical to Arkansas, and uh, and and showed, you know, it, it's a it's a grown men, and, and Arkansas had some grown men that year. They just didn't have enough, and and I don't think Baylor's going to have quite the year that they they've been expecting to have over the past maybe five six years. But I think Arkansas has a chance to go down the Waco and maybe upset them if you get Nick Smith back and you give Baylor a couple of different looks it spreads out the floor because Ricky Council he's a guy that you know he wasn't expected to be the leading scorer he wasn't a guy that you thought you were going to have to depend on each and every night he's more of a guy that's your maybe your third or fourth leading scorer that's what he's been at his whole career uh, and then you have the Devo Davis you had guys in their roles and you bring a guy like Nick Smith back and it's more back to normalcy and 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 you know your roles and and that's the cool thing about this is you it, it is even though it may not be easy getting him back into the lineup and maybe taking some growth in time uh and and trying to get things back to normal but it, even if you can get him back this week or next week maybe even in the Baylor game or maybe in the Texas A&M game like it it changes things it changes things really does well you know and and you look at their stats; they are averaging three point. They're averaging nine point four threes a game, and they're shooting seventy four percent from the free throw line. So they're averaging seventeen 
free throws made per game. So this resembles kind of that Alabama game when we looked at the nine point nine and you know all the free throw percentage. So that's going to be a big key to that game. Is you've got to hold them. You you know you want their numbers to look like. You want your numbers to look like theirs. Like, they're making 9.4 right. and they're allowing 7.2. So, if you can yeah. cut them down to seven or six threes, you get nine, you'd be you'd be getting good uh, company. Oh, yeah. And in the way they've been shooting the rock with more confidence, too, especially from the on the arc, it bodes well moving forward that maybe Arkansas is turning this thing back around. Because they shot it. They didn't shoot it great against Missouri – they shot it okay enough to win. They didn't shoot it great enough against Vanderbilt, but they shot it good enough to win at certain points in that basketball game. And then they go eight for 20 against uh, Ole Miss. Then they had to weather a storm. But they found they were able to get back on track and, and put that away. And confidence breeds more confidence. And I think Arkansas is going to be able to do that. And before we hit the break, I know that's coming up, Arkansas got a uh, defensive line transfer commit out of Missouri, uh, Trajan Jeffcoat. Uh, he's going to be a def- he's going to be a defensive lineman, six four, two hundred seventy five is what uh, SportsReference.com has him listed as. A guy that's uh, recorded eighty five career tackles at Missouri uh, was a three I think a three star prospect, but you know how Missouri is with defensive linemen; they can crank guys out like it's nobody's business. They always have a tough defensive line. And Arkansas has success over the past few seasons being able to bring in uh, Missouri defensive line transfers. They had pretty good ones in Trey Williams and Markel Etsy. So you get in Trajan Jeffco, a guy that looked to probably be going back home to South Carolina. That's who that's who I thought he was going to go to. But uh, he winds up at Arkansas. Great addition. And one last thing, um, Non-hog topic uh, for all those Cowboy fans that are out there, probably. Um, Kyle you know, Sutherland. Yeah, is one Kyle Sutherland, big guy. Uh, they go down to the San Francisco 49ers in, in the uh, playoffs in the divisional round. So, be a long offseason for the Cowboys. Uh, the, we're, we're thinking about you. Hey, today's Sunday, so if you, you want to catch your – Sunday night church meeting, you know, to go pray for your for your team uh, in the offseason, go right ahead. But you just had to throw that in there before we went to break. But after the break, we're going to talk about Dan Enos as the new Arkansas OC and other things going on when it comes to what this could affect the Arkansas football team next year and, and almost bringing back an old-school feel to this team after the break. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. 
We'll welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. We want to give a big shout out to our host, Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas. They're located at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. You can call them at 667-2739. They always have some good dinnertime specials, always got bands and karaoke going on for the weekends, good cold drinks, even the hillbilly lagers. So go down and see Destiny and Chris Brockett at Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, as well as our big sponsor for our weekly women's sports report at Fordham Lee Distillery in Middleton, Maryland. Want to give a big shout-out to them as well. But big news um, when, when we talk about – I mean, I really, honestly, Jacob, don't even know where to uh, <laughs> kind of start on how this unfolded and, and, and went down. There was, there was talk of when, when Browse went and talked to Mississippi State Coach Pittman had already had things in place to go talk to Enos. Then Browles decided to come back, and then he chose to uh, go to TCU. But, I, I, Jacob, I'll take – you know, what was your take on just how everything unfolded? Before we get into the Enos stuff, you know, what was your okay. thoughts of the Browles deal, him coming back, and, and then up and leaving for, for TCU? I thought it was – I thought it was trash – uh, I mean, Kendall, I had defended the guy over and over and over again. But I was really shocked that when the TCU job came open that he would he would entertain it because, only because, he was so excited to be with K.J. Jefferson one more year at Arkansas. I was surprised by that. And when it, when it came and when it, when it happened and, and things, started, uh, things started heating up, as far as uh, Kendall Browse at TCU was going, I don't blame Sam Pittman for saying, you know what, get get your stuff out of my house and go. Yeah, like I don't blame the guy. You fooled me once, shame on shame on me. Fool me or fool me twice, shame on you. Like like or however it goes. Like he did he did Sam dirty, I think, because yeah, we we already got you your raise. We already agreed to it. And then you're gonna go put your nose out there again for another job? No, just get your stuff out of my house and go, and I'll go get a guy. And it was funny to me that he announced Dan Enos as offensive coordinator before Kendall Brown was even that. the TCU offensive coordinator. Take that, son. I mean, take it. And and I, I was I was kind of caught by surprise by the Kendall Brown to TCU stuff. Uh, but man, I. I I was getting sick of the freaking talk every single week. Oh, Kendall Browse going to Miami. Oh, Kendall Browse maybe going to South Carolina. Kendall Browse, Mississippi State, done deal, finished deal. Like it's over. And 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 then he decides to stay. And then TCU, and you're thinking, I can understand the TCU thing because it's so close to home. And and you know, Sonny Dykes, uh, and they're coming off a of, uh, national championship game appearance, but you know, there was a historical season, a dream season for TCU. It's going to be hard for them to even replicate what they did this past year. And maybe he thought going to the big 12 gives him the chance to become a head coach easier by going, maybe winning your 10, 11 games. Cause you're not, you don't think you're going to win them at Arkansas. Maybe you think there's a ceiling there. Maybe there's a cap there, but I always thought that winning more games at Arkansas in the SEC would be more uh, appealing to to athletic directors than than winning eleven games in in the Big Twelve. I don't know, but 
I was I was glad he's gone. Well, I was tired that, of the that, drama. That just shows what this twelve expansion to twelve does. It gives yeah. him to be where you got to think. Maybe I can go to TCU and and, and get into this twelve game playoff. You know, yeah. he's right there in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I mean that that's right there where he's from. I don't. I understand why he went to TCU. Yeah, I don't like how everything went about. Um, it, it's the thing. And when when this first came out that he was leaving, I said, "Well, I don't want to hear another person say anything about a player jumping in the portal or going to another school, wanting nil money." Because if your coach can say, "I'm back, let's run it back," especially when you're talking about the fate of a program and how important next year is to a KJ Jefferson and Sam Pittman. I understand you've got to go make your money, but you know it's the fact that you still got to have some kind of integrity. You've got to have some kind of honor of I chose to come back. Yeah. Now I understand the timing of the TCU OC going to Clemson, and that opened up. But still, yet you could have waited a little bit, and then because if if, if coaches and all this stuff's going on. If people have any kind of inclination, because look at how everything they said played out. When he went to Mississippi State, Coach Pittman was already on the horn with Enos, reportedly. So if TCU had any inclination that their guy was going to Clemson, they could have already been in talks with Kendall. I mean, this is the thing how this this revolving door of making it even more dirtier. They could have already been trying to talk to him when he went to Mississippi State. Well, hey, try to get more money, and if you can't get this amount, hey, we'll give you this much to come to TCU. Then he gets the raise and then, again, tries to get more money and more leverage. And that's what I'm saying. This just, just gets dirty. And and you know what? If you followed up a 9-4 nine, nine and four win season with another 9-4 and four win season and you had a good year, I can understand that. But, dude, you went 7-6 and six and you tried to run a tight end draw. You tried to call up plays where your quarterback's jumping from the four-yard line. You had so many times where you, the people were questioning, like, what is going on? And, yes, everybody can point to stats and numbers and, 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 well, he had this, he had that. But it gets you nothing when you finish the year where you had to win your bowl game to be above 500. Yeah. And when you had so much – optimism of what was coming back. You had your quarterback back. There's no excuses there. You had him two years in a row. I just think even from last year, and when you see digression, it's because last year he was flirted with with Miami and and, and a few other schools. So it's already on his head that, man, I want to try to up my stock. And I honestly thought with how he did this year, it was going to hurt him, hurt his stock. Well, apparently not because Mississippi State was wanting him and now TCU yeah. got him. So, but you don't want somebody in your program who is not about your program in this stage of your program because you're still new. Now you're reset. I feel like this program is kind of resetting back to when Sam Pittman first got here when he brought in Odom and Browns. You, you, yeah. you got a guy like Enos coming in who's been with you before and it's given promise to this Arkansas program, but now you're trying to build that foundation again. I'm not saying as, as a team. I'm talking about as a program. You're back at square one where you've got to build this foundation and this trust between Pittman and Enos and get this thing to the next level. And luckily with Enos, you don't have to worry about the constant flirtation-ish cycle as as what Kendall Browse was showing. Enos, to me, he's been as loyal as he comes, as they come. 
and you know he he hasn't spent more than three years in any spot besides his head coaching tenure at, at Central Michigan from 2010 to 2014. But the guy he gets offensive football. He he left Arkansas and 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 it's not saying that he was a bad offensive coordinator because I think he was a product of uh, as a whole of Arkansas just be on a downward spiral under Brett uh, when when you know they they lost so many in, they lost so many guys due to injury like Austin. Allen, Frank Ragnell, like vital pieces of their offense in 2017. Raleigh Williams, uh, and then lost them in just consecutive. It was just it was just spiraling, spiraling out of control, um, and and just the recruiting wasn't great. And I mean, everybody like recruits aren't going to come to a place if you're just kind of spiraling out of control. And, and we 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 can talk about the outside noise, and that does not mean anything right now as far as what happened six years ago with Brett. Now, now you look at it, and I don't see it as more of a reset because I think Enos is going to come in and kind of mold his offense around the the skill sets of his players. And I don't think any – anyways, I don't really think that you're going to have to worry about Enos, any kind of loyalty issues there. I think he's going to be able to concentrate on, on the task at hand, and I think he's going to tailor an offense to – to the offensive skill set of, of the current players and have success. And that's one of the things I was trying to talk about during my Twitter space on Thursday was, you know, we saw what Kendall did, and I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same offense, but everybody uh, thinks about, oh, we're going to go back to this crazy offense that we had in 2015 with Brandon Allen and, and just the crazy passing stats. That's not going to happen. Like we got to think he's going to tailor his offense to what what players he has, and and when he did come to here the first time, he tailored it to what they had. And Arkansas's got some; uh, they have some uh, great receivers coming in. They have a stable of running backs that are going to be effective, and you have a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback that that if anything happens to KJ, you can depend on Chris will coming in and and being effective too. So I'm really optimistic about what Enos can do. And, and being able to have somebody that you, you can trust uh, uh, being there at Arkansas this season. Well, and you look at what they did last year at Maryland, what he did, you know, as offensive coordinator. I mean, he had two as a little brother, and, and they had uh, yeah. 141 yards rushing average a game and then 250 passing is what they had average. Yeah. And then the year before that, they were a it top was, 15 offense in 2021. Yeah, and it was more so um, – I've got them pulled up. It was more so they went down in, in rushing and up in passing. So it was like 441. Yeah. They averaged 441 yards in 21 and 22. And then this past year, they averaged 401. So, I mean, they lost 40 yards total offense, give or take. But they went, like I said, they went 141 this year, and they were at 136 last year rushing. And then 259 passing, 259 passing and then last year they were at um 300 304 so i mean yeah like i said you flip-flop kind of the rushing and you almost have a similar office but give or take 40 yards so i mean you had a similar yeah. office but people were like well he had this and and one guy was on there where he got worse year to year well no he really didn't i mean he had the same but when you go six and seven seven and six and eight and five so you go seven and six and eight five but you got to think maryland is Kind of an Arkansas kind of team in the Big Ten. And Big Ten, not saying they're better than the SEC, 
But you've got Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. You've got some big dogs there that you're having to compete with and not only compete with, but you're just like Arkansas. You think the grand scheme of how the SEC is laid out and where Arkansas is, other than now with Missouri and, and, and Texas A&M and stuff. But Maryland's out there on the up near New York on the East Coast, and you're trying to recruit to play in, a, in the Midwest. I mean, it, yeah. it's kind of a similar situation. And Maryland's not really been that big of a football powerhouse. They don't have near the prestige as Arkansas. So, yeah, they went four and five this year in, in conference play. But, I mean, you you got to cut him some slack on the fact that they went seven and six last year, three and six in conference. This year they went eight and five and four and five. So, they made progress. You're yeah, and look progress. at the years before yeah, exactly. Danny Nose came. Like, they were terrible. Yeah. Like, they, they were a bottom 100 – in every offensive statistical category that you could think of imaginable, they were terrible, downright dreadful. And then Enos comes in and, and, and is running the Loxley system and and running what Loxley wanted. And Arkansas, I mean, Maryland was effective. They turned things around. They won more games in the past two seasons than I think they won in the previous seven or eight before, before Enos got there. So Enos is still effective, and like I said, he's going to tailor his offense to what Arkansas has, and and you know he may attack more of the middle of the field. He may not. He may attack you know deep threats, but you've got a stable of receivers, big. I mean, big receivers, man. You, they have a chance to have a solid offense and not have any kind of letdown from the Kendall Browse offense to the Danny Enos offense. I don't think it's going to be quite very. I don't think it's going to be quite different at all. And, and, and But that has to do with recruiting. Listen. Absolutely. We, we, we could talk about what's his ability, what's their ability, what can they do. You, you've got to have your players to do what Absolutely. you need. And that's the thing. I, I, and one thing I'll play devil's advocate on is when we're talking about loyalty. I didn't think – I did not think Odom would go and coach it, coach, much less go to UNLV. So that that's what – I mean, he's going to come in – but he's not going to deal with nonsense. And I think that might be part of what happened was Odin was tired of Browse's nonsense. He's like, I'm going to go – I'm not going to babysit you or I'm not going to deal with this drama. I'm going to go elsewhere. I, I don't know. I'm not on the inside. But it's just part of those things you got to think about, you know. And Enos is probably, um, you know, with, with the de- defensive coordinator now, you know, you've got two guys in there that are hungry and they're ready to go, ready to get this thing rolling. It's going to be exciting – but when you change your offensive defensive coordinator like you are, and along with the transfer portal and new freshmen and trying to get – you've got KJ and then your running backs and, and a couple of receivers. I mean, you you got some work to do. So you got to cut them some slack, and it's almost like rebuilding a new team every year when you're dealing with starters being transfer players. So this first year is going to be important to, to make progress, and you know what? Finishing seven to six this year is actually good because you get you've got some wiggle room. You could go six oh, yeah. and six, you could go seven and six, or you can go eight and five. That 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 little one game, two game buffer that I talked about before the season on what was okay this year was unacceptable, and you can tell because both coordinators are gone. Yeah. So and that's the thing I think Sam knows is he's not going to last in Arkansas very much longer if he continues to to go down like this and. 
and this is his last job. And I, I had to debunk some things too, because a lot of people are saying, Oh man, it's Sam Pim is not going to be here another two years anyway, even if he does get back on the winning track. Look, the guy is at his dream job, and if he's having and continuing to have success that he's having in recruiting and continuing to have success in the field between seven, eight, nine wins, he's going to stay the coach at Arkansas as long as he wants to. Like he's he's not going to just leave. He's not going to up win. and leave. Because I'm telling you, here's the, and I want to tell you one name that if this person would have never coached at Arkansas, I could see your point, but. Mike Anderson and what he did with the basketball program, that taste is in every Arkansas fan's mouth. You're talking about yeah. loving the state and loving Arkansas. Everybody, if he gets complacent, you're going to compare him to Mike Anderson. And, and that's going to get thrown out there. So that's going to take a year or two off of his tenure if he starts getting complacent because they're yeah. like, hey, we're just, we've done this with Mike Anderson. We're not going to do it with Sam Pittman. So right. maybe if that would have never happened, I could see your point. But, but how many times did Mike Anderson change his staff members? Well, even when I, things I'm not were still? getting at that point. I'm not getting know, into the logistics. I'm talking about, you know, you can easily point of how many in-state kids didn't come to Arkansas because Mike Anderson was here. You, you look at when they went away from Mike Anderson and then brought in Eric Musselman, what happened to these in-state kids immediately coming in playing? So you can't, and that, yeah. that's part of the thing that it was changed. It was stagnant. And I'm telling you, if Sam Pittman get, I'm not saying is, but if it gets stagnant, it's going to be cut a year too short because this is your moneymaker. We are in a world that's all about millions and millions of dollars. And they went through their millions of dollars loss during COVID and, and all the you know 25,000 fans in the stands opposed to 70. Just think about that. you got four or five home games a year. And you've got a 76,000-seat stadium, and you're putting 25 to 30 in the stands. You're losing 30 to 40,000 a game. So 150 oh, yeah. at the most. Time, 150 times 100 bucks right there. Well, at 1.5? Yeah. So, I mean, you think 1.5 million. Now, all that goes generated off the ticket money goes, you know, whatever that does, say it goes to the other sports. You're taking $1.5 million away from the university – you do that two years in a row. Now that's three million. So yeah, this is your money maker. And then and, and, and Hunter Yurchek ain't playing around. He's not played no, around one not. time since he's been here. And that's what the, goes to the Browse situation. He come in that office and had the audacity to try to ask for another raise, or it come to find out he was flirting with TCU. They already they already had his boxes out on the front front grass out there in the parking lot at the Brule Center. Go, yeah. You know, if They're you want to go TCU, bye. We'll, we'll, we'll fuel yeah. your jet up for you. Yeah. <laughs> don't think. Don't think Hunter Yurchek won't either. Because no. Yurchek, he, he takes things seriously. And at the time when he had to hire Sam Pittman, it was the best hire possible that they could make because nobody wanted the job. But he also showed when he started and, 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 and turned this thing around as quick as he did, he also showed this program wasn't in as bad of a state as it looked like under Chad Morris and Brad Bielema. No, you've seen a bunch of coal. you just seen a bunch yeah. of coal, but once you move that coal around, you've seen the fire. And, and I'm telling you, I, I go back to this with all the programs that we cover and talk about at the university. You, you're setting a foundation. You want that concrete to be nice and smooth because you need to know the land. You need to know the lay of the land. You bring in somebody like Sam Pittman who knows the lay of the land. He knows what it's like to be an Arkansas guy. 
but you've got to make progress. And he tried to count on his guys, Kendall, and to come in this new innovative OC to come in and try to get to the next level. And that's what I thought was going to happen. Well, that's probably what they all thought was going to happen in, in, in the fairy world. They tried to get somebody to set that foundation, and then he passed the torch. Well, the torch blew out, and now we're starting over. He brings Enos in, and then you got Williams and Woodson, the co-defensive coordinators, come in. All right, let's smooth this thing out. I know the lay of the land. I know this how this is supposed to look. I've got my boss, man, Hunter Yurchek, overlooking me. This is how this needs to look. Now let's build this thing from the ground up again. Yeah, and we get we've already seen the how how uh, it's impacted recruiting too, especially bringing in guys like Williams and Woodson in who are proven recruiters, like high level recruiters, like you like like top twenty recruiters, and and you're seeing things and 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 defensive players like stout defensive players looking at Arkansas differently, like. There was there was a defensive back that took an official unofficial visit this weekend, uh, who told me he was really impressed with Arkansas, and said he can't wait to get back. I asked him if he planned on making an official. He said I don't have anything planned to make an official right now, but Arkansas's at uh, is very high on my list. He's a he's a four star. I think he's a top one hundred. Recording to one of the one of the uh, recruiting services out there, uh, they say he's a, a top one hundred recruit. So he's. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye on, and his his name's just slipping slipping me right now. And then you had uh, a big time offensive lineman out of the state of Alabama, a guy that's uh, been blowing up my phone, telling me, you know, I can't wait for Arkansas to offer. I can't wait for Arkansas to offer. And and like you can see these things happening, and these recruits, you know, seeing okay, they're seeing Arkansas differently, and and it's going to change. The, maybe not the trajectory. But maybe kind of it makes fans feel better too when you're recruiting at a higher level, and so you're seeing Enos and and you know uh, what he's done, and you've got those defense coordinators there, and and every single and this is where I'll end up end here is every single staff member right now is a proven recruiter, mm-hmm. and that's what you're going to have to be. I mean, yeah. one with with the CFP going to twelve teams, two. You've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in. You've you've got to stay ahead of the curve and bring in these guys oh, yeah. in. Let's let's see what they can do on defense and, and see what type of recruits they can come in. Because I'm telling you, you look at Georgia and what they've been able to do. They've always been there knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Now they've won back to national championships. I guarantee you. I mean that you know Arkansas gets puts together two eight nine win seasons and they start knocking on that door of that second and third tier team in the West. Yeah. And where they're competing for the top, that's going to be just fine with Arkansas. And then ha- yeah. every other year have a 10 or every three years have a 10, 11 win season. I mean, that's all. That's how it used to be. Arkansas is wanting. They want success. Yeah. They're not expecting you to go 11 and 12, 13 and 0 every single year. They right. want a team that they can be proud of and that has success. Yeah. And, and one other thing I want to debunk is I've had some people tell me like, man, Dan Enos, he's just a retreat. We don't want retreats. And I've seen that. It's a minority. Uh, I've seen that. That's people who didn't really know what Dan happened. Enos being a retreat. That that's ignorance. It's it's ignorance because yes. it's people who don't realize what Brett Bielema did to that that the, to the program. You yeah, you can't tell absolutely. me. And I 
this guy, I, I think I know what you're talking about. This guy was just talking, I mean, and all of them was talking about this and that, and he's done this and that. I mean, one, I, I kind of want to just real quick tangent or real quick, you know, go down this rabbit hole. These fans that ain't even, the dude ain't even stepped on campus yet, and you're already trashing the man. Why the hell do you think some of these coaches and players leave? You ain't even give them a chance yet. And you're already, well, you, I mean, there's so people that are out there just miserable. They can't wait to say some stupid crap or something negative, and they ain't even give the guy a chance yet. And they want to, they just can't wait to rush to those stats. And see, look, he went 17, 16, 15, and he's gotten worse, and he's horrible. We couldn't have done this, and we couldn't have done that. Because they got this Dan Mullen guy in their head. We should have went for Dan Mullen, or we should have went with Coach Gruden. Why did we let Kendall Browse leave? Well, y'all were the guys that wanted him gone in the first place. Absolutely. And, and, and he should have the whole went. thing about Dan Mullen, though, the whole thing with Dan Mullen, he's a pipe dream. He, he got fired at Florida. Came. I mean. But that's the thing. But he, do you want a guy that has come in and he's been head coach, head too. coach, head coach, and you think you're going to demote a guy and he's going to give you his all? No. no. But that's the he's thing. He's going to be it's waiting. Like that, that, they could have seen some daggum Cessna plane take off from Florida or wherever, Mississippi State, and they're plane tracking. But it's just the fact that dude ain't even got on campus yet, ain't even started practice yet, and you're already trashing him. Like, why do we got to – and that's the thing. And everybody wants to – says why Arkansas is one of the worst fan bases in, in college because you have that small group, that cancerous group, that they can't do nothing yeah. but say nothing bad about this program no matter what. Yeah. And how many of those 15 wins did they have in that 2015 to 2016 range – was it because of Enos' offense? Well, that and Pittman. A lot of them. But you got to think him and Pittman. You had the yeah. offensive line. They were bigger than NFL line. Yeah. But you got to tell me. You can't tell me that your head coach going to the biggest recruiting pipeline and telling them, your players are not going to work in my system. You done took the whole state of Texas and you bought them up and threw them in the trash. And look what happened to your productivity. Then, you're, then, you're, went down. then Pittman left. Then Enos left. You're left with all this offensive guys gone, and yeah, you can't recruit in Texas. That's one of the closest states to you. And then you want to say that Enos was the problem, but that's the thing with yeah. some people. They they don't want to look at the real problem. They always want to blame somebody else yeah. for what happened. And I want to add something there. It wasn't the whole uh, – it wasn't the I'm not going to recruit the state of Texas. It's the remark that he said. He says – I'm going to, you know, for all those coaches here that run the spread offense, you're at a freaking state of Texas coaching convention. Mm -hmm. You're going to come down there and say, yeah, you know, I'll, for all you spread coaches, I'm going to bring my fullback down here. I'm going to kick your, yeah, kick your can. Like, you, that is what 99% of the coaches in Texas run is spread offense. That's what came over here into freaking Fayetteville, Arkansas with Patrick Mahomes and Cliff Kingsbury. He came up here and said, what'd he do? I said, I'm going to bring my spread uh, spread quarterback and mm -hmm. in, in offense, and I'm going to come kick your butt. And that's what he did, 35-24 in Fayetteville, Arkansas, back in 2015. Yep. The week after losing to the Lido, 16-12, uh, to 12, because you refuse to change your offensive identity. You think back to the 2016 game against Alabama where Arkansas lost 49-30. to 30. If they would have just gone hurry up, no huddle, they probably could have stayed, uh, you know, mano-a-mano uh, -a -mano with Alabama in that game. Like, Brent Bielema did not want to change, and that's what people think about with Dan Enos is, oh, we're just going to go back to under center football. That's not what Arkansas is going to be 
under Danny Enos. He's not because Sam Pittman wants to run RPO. He wants to run more pistol and shotgun formation than anything. And he's not going to, he's going to tailor to what Arkansas has right now. And that is that RPO offense with pretty good receivers and great running backs. And that's what he's going to run. Well, that's stop what, here, thinking. Yeah, stop that, thinking about what, what you happens, had in 2015. That, well, that's what happens when you reward somebody for going mediocre. Yeah, you you give him that contract after beating Texas. Oh, we beat Texas. We beat a six and six Texas team or seven and six Texas team. Tight end playing you, quarterback. You gave him. You gave him that extension. Then he goes on that being Brett Bielema show, and he has. And I understand life throws curveballs at you, and he did have a kid, and and. The fatherhood thing and that part I'll leave alone because you know that does take a toll on you as a person. You're this division one head coach, and now you've got to become a father uh, all over again. But there's no excuse of you tell you make those statements saying your your style of offense is not going to work here at Arkansas and blah blah blah. But we got it coming in. But I do want to switch gears at the end and. I want I want to leave on this note, and I want to bring up the hockey team real quick. I know they did lose to Grand Valley State today, but they made these jokers play at 7 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I don't know if it was because of travel or what, but um, I want to shout out to the fans who follow Arkansas hockey real quick. Man, I was uh, paying attention and listening to the live stream in my earbuds on the way to work, and at one point I think there was like 80 or 85 people on the live stream and then there was multiple people. I don't know how many was in attendance. But this thing was in Miami of Ohio, Oxford, Ohio. And to be playing at 1, 745, 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning, and to have all those people tuned in, streamed in, and people in attendance when they scored. You, I mean, it was a loud eruption when they scored. They did end up falling 5-2 in the final game. But, you know, it takes playing at 7 o'clock in the morning to beat the Razorbacks in hockey, uh, apparently. <laughs> but I do I do seriously, I want to give a shout-out to the Arkansas hockey team, their fans, the Coach Keller Sims. We've had him on the podcast before previewing the team. I've been in ta- talking to the, you know, through DMs with, with the team, whoever runs their social media. But I was very, very impressed in the fans that turned out and the people who are watching on the live stream with me this morning, bright and early this morning. So big kudos to the fans of the Arkansas hockey team. Yeah, and I know we don't say it enough, but uh, make sure after this podcast is over, you go on to our uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, whatever, uh, like and subscribe to our uh, show. You can even find us on YouTube at the Hog Talk Podcast there to subscribe to our page there. Uh, we don't really We don't really share that very much, Porter, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> just if you're a huge fan, if you, if, you, if you like us on Facebook, like us on Apple Podcasts and give us a, a rate and review there as well. But I, also, you know, it's just one of them things, too, that, uh, you know, when we're done, it, it's, you know, 930, and I try to get this thing cut up and edited and, and posted up on <laughs> Spotify. But I if I can't get it to the night, I do it sometime the next day. But after we get done recording, I will have it uploaded. It will be ready in the morning. So well, if you miss the live show, and I always try to put something out there. If you miss the live show, always catch us on all uh, podcast platforms. And, again, if you're in central Arkansas, they play us um, on Fridays, I think 530 in the morning at 106.7, the buzz too. So, you know, we're, we're all over the state. Um, and, of course, our live streams have been doing really well. So we've been averaging about one to 2,000 views per show so 
a big thanks to our fans for for keeping things rolling and then either tomorrow night haven't got the, the I've got a couple of guests lined up not sure which one yet but I've got a special treat either way uh, for the weekly women's sports report that's either going to be tomorrow night or Tuesday depending on my guest availability but always looking forward to that and then we're going to get back to our preview show again uh, with all this basketball coming up and more sports coming up you know with the two SEC season and stuff. We're going to start really trying to break down the games that happen and, and what we're looking forward to with the opponents coming up. But So be looking forward to that this week, starting this week. And that will be presented by the law offices of Robinson, Shipley, Beasley, and Robertson. Guys, it's been a good show again. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being in here. Go Hogs. I'll catch you tomorrow night or Tuesday night on the Weekly Win Sports Report. <laughs>